Good morning, church family, man. It's so good to see everybody here today, to see people, man, that I love, some people that I haven't seen before, man. Welcome to Anchor Bend. And, and if you're online as well, man, I'm just glad that you're joining us, man. I'm praying that God is with you where you are and that he'll do a mighty thing in your house or in your car, wherever you are. Um, and, and before we get into anything else, let's just raise raise a praise for Jesus. Let's Let's go ahead and just... Clap for Jesus, clap for Jesus. Hey, we got we gotta remember, we gotta remember that it is all about Jesus. Whatever it is, it is all about Jesus. That is why we're here. Uh, Colossians 1, 16, 17 starts and it says, For all things, can you say all things? All things in heaven and on earth were created in him. Wow. Okay. All things. Can you say all things? All things were created through him. All things were created for him. And then verse 17 goes on to say, he himself is before all things. He's first, period. Before anything else, Jesus is first. And then lastly, in him, all things, can you say all things? All things are held together. He deserves our praise. He deserves our honor. So let's go ahead and give him a round of applause. Yeah. And, and then next, I've got to honor uh, my wife. You know, she's sitting right there. Corey, hey. I'm not going to embarrass you like last service, you know, but just know that I love you and I, I appreciate your love and support. Thank you for giving me them kids too, man. They're beautiful. Thank you, God. And, and then finally, um, I want to honor our pastors, Pastors Jim and Pastor Phyllis. Man, yes, yes. Give them a round of applause. As some of you may know, they are currently on sabbatical getting some much-deserved rest. Man, I've worked closely with Pastor Jim over the last year, a little bit more than that. And, man, they work tirelessly. Um, they, they dedicate their heart and soul into carrying out God's mission and to leading his people, leading God's people, and advancing and changing the community that we live in. Richmond, Katy, Rosenberg, man, they, all, they are always thinking about that. And so, Pastor Jim, Pastor Phyllis, I know you're watching. We appreciate you. We cannot wait for you to get back refreshed. Ready to move forward. We're here for you. We're here with you. All right? Well, uh, I'm excited about today's topic. Um, it's uh, walking in freedom. And it's in theme with what our day is, right? Today is July 4th, right? Can we celebrate that? Are we excited about that? Independence Day. And I was saying in the first service, man, this is like the perfect Independence Day because it lands on a Sunday, yeah. right? Like, is there anything more American than 4th of July on a Sunday? Right? You, you can go to church in the morning, and then you're going to barbecue and grill and eat in the afternoon. And then later on, you're going to shoot some guns and some fireworks. Yes, and I said guns because they shoot them in my neighborhood. And if it's you, I'm telling. Is it even legal? I don't even know if it's legal or illegal. I'm just, you know, all I know is you try to hide it, but I know that sound wasn't no, no fireworks, okay? All right? Got my son waking up. Like, what was that? But, but see, my... my uh, I was a little bothered, and you guys gotta, you guys gotta promise me something uh, when I tell you what's on my heart. I got booed in the first service, and you've gotta make sure not to boo me, okay? Because you're good Christian people, and you wouldn't boo me up here, right? Okay? But I just felt like something was missing. And the, and the only thing I think that is missing today is that the Dallas Cowboys are not playing on TV, right? I thought y'all were saved, I thought y'all were Christians. Oh, my goodness. 
No, I mean, seriously, I, I may be, I'm one of those people I feel like the Dallas Cowboys should be, should be playing on every major holiday. Thanksgiving, Christmas, they're America's team. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, you know? Hey, listen, if you're, if you're offended by this, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not the pastor. So <laughs> he's going to be back, but I still will be here with my Cowboys jersey outside. So you, you'll, you'll still see me, but don't be offended, you know, um, but, but it, I do want to share one more thing, and that is that this year, the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. It's, I, I say this every year, okay? I say it, I think I have to as a, as a Cowboys fan. It's just, I, I, I signed in blood. Like, I have to say that every year. But this year, I do believe, I'm, I really do believe that the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. So you can join the bandwagon if you want. You can fill out the application. We got it in the back. You know, you will be admitted right away. You'll get a, um, a T-shirt, all of that, all right? But... All jokes aside, you know, I, I have a kind of a unique uh, view on 4th of July and Independence Day. See, I grew up in Nigeria, and in Nigeria, we really didn't have, like, uh, American programming. We got mostly British channels. So I never heard about 4th of July growing up. It just wasn't anything I knew about. In fact, I learned about 4th of July through a movie. So my dad, he'd come to the U.S. for assignments, and whenever he would come back, he would bring movies. And one of the movies that my, my dad brought with him was the movie Sandlot. Who's seen the movie Sandlot? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, raise it up for Sandlot. Let me tell you, Sandlot, is, if you haven't seen Sandlot, you're missing out, man. That movie is a classic. I actually went back and watched a couple of scenes, and we're going to have movie night soon to watch Sandlot. But, man, that movie was so good, and it was my introduction to Fourth of July, and I love that movie. Um, and, and there was a scene... There was a 4th of July scene in the movie where the kids, normally what happens is they play baseball during the day, but one night a year, 4th of July, they get to play at night because the fireworks would give them enough light to play. And so I remember the scene, you've got the chubby little kid, he goes in there, he grabs a hot dog from somebody's table, I don't know who who is what, he grabs a hot dog, he's got his baseball mitt and his catcher's mitt, and he's running over over to the field. And then it cuts to a scene, and the next scene, it's like the main character, and someone pitches the ball to him, and he takes his bat and just knocks it out of the park. And it's flying through the air, there's fireworks, and everyone's looking at the ball, and they're just amazed at how hard he hit it. And all of a sudden, all of their gazes shift from the ball to the fireworks, and they're just looking at the fireworks in amazement. And in the background playing is America the Beautiful by Ray Charles. Like, this is like the perfect movie scene. You've got to go check out the clip on YouTube. I'm telling you, you're, you're going to fall in love with 4th of July just watching it. And I used to, imagine me as a kid in Nigeria, I'm like, that's 4th of July? Oh man, I want that. I want all of that. You know, I want the fireworks, you know, I want, I want the hot dog, you know, I, I want all of that. For, I want the music. There better be some music playing on 4th of July. And so when I moved to the United States, I was adamant that we had to go out to the park for 4th of July and see some fireworks. And luckily, we went to a park where one day played music and then I was able to grab a hot dog. You know, so I I got to relive the movie, man. And the fireworks would go off for like 20 minutes, man. This is in Dallas. They had this amazing fireworks display. And for 20 minutes, you're just looking up. You got music playing. You know, your your tummy's full. You ate already. And I'm like, I'm living out my Sandlot dream. But every once in a while, I'd take a glimpse to the left and the right, and I would see other people's reaction, and people would be looking in amazement. You'd see people smiling, and then even people crying. 
It was just such a magical moment, all in the name, all in celebration of freedom. The idea of independence, the idea of freedom. Man, that is, I mean, that is just so amazing. And so for me, I love 4th of July. And when I got to school and I started to study 4th of July, right? I'm from Nigeria. I'm learning the history. This is new to me. I started to learn some things. On 4th of July, 1776, that was the year or the time when we declared freedom, right? But there's still a war that needed to be fought, right? And so then not only did it just declare freedom, but news traveled kind of slow back then. So there were people that didn't find out that they had declared independence till about a month later. And I'm like, man, seriously? Like, we're over here declaring freedom. We decided that we're our own country, own nation. I'm just now finding out. Man, we got to get better at this, this technology thing. We got we to we ramp it up. But not only that, six years later is when they fought the final battle, the Battle of Yorktown, which kind of ended the war that actually brought freedom. And uh, what's interesting is that even then, the news traveled slow, right? So the battle was fought October 19th, but it was about two weeks to the last, two to three weeks to the last people found out in November. Now let me tell you this. If I'm one of the people who found out in November, somebody's going to have to pay because I'm going to be upset. I'm, I mean, I'm happy that we won the war and that we're free, but I'm like, dang, man, I almost died yesterday, you know? <laughs> Shoot, I almost killed somebody yesterday. Man, you would have been nice if you showed up yesterday or, you know, I've been eating this food. I don't even know, you know, how many days old it is. You should have showed up, right? So I always thought it was very interesting. I always thought it was a wild idea, the fact that you could be declared free but not walking in freedom, right? That there could be a delay in the fact that you could be given freedom but not yet have received freedom. And I believe for, for some of us today, and I think most of us along our Christian, our Christian, our faith journey, that's us right? We receive Jesus. We trust him as our Lord and Savior. We've gotten our get out of jail free card, but we don't feel like anything else has changed. We feel like we're still the same. We, st- we still feel bound to the same things that have us bound. We're still struggling with sin, struggling with condemnation, in need of everybody's approval, right? We're, we're struggling with being slaves to money, being slaves to all sort of things out there in the world. You hear people talking about freedom. You, we even put it up here, find freedom, the church talks about it all the time, but you're like, man, look, I'm not walking in freedom. I think you guys are making it up, and, and I think it's just a thing we like to say. It's a nice thing Christians like to say, but I don't believe that as a reality. I don't believe that as a reality for me. Well, if that's you, then I feel for you, and, and I was there as well. And my hope today is that through this word, through what we talk about today, that you are able to believe in and then walk in freedom. That you're able to declare independence from the things that have you bound. That you will no longer be held back, but in fact, you'll be walking free after our message. All right? So before I get into it, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for being here. We thank you, God, for your presence. Lord, we thank you for your son who came and died for our sins. We thank you for your son who died to bring us freedom. Lord, I thank you for this day that we celebrate freedom in this country, Father God. We thank you for the fact that freedom was won. We thank you that we are able to worship here freely, uh, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here or under the sound of my voice that is looking for freedom, that they're able to find it today through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. All right. So for those of you taking notes, I've got three must, three things you must have to walk in freedom. All right. So the first thing you must do to walk in freedom 
is you have to agree with God and receive that he wants you to be free. Simple as that. You got to believe that God wants you to be free. Because if we're not careful, you can start to have a very, very limited view of salvation, right? This Christianity thing is just about escaping hell. That Jesus came to take me to heaven, and that's it. But the truth is that Jesus died and rose for so much more than that. He didn't die just to save you and take you to hell, I mean, take you to heaven. He died, Pastor Salim said it last week. He said, salvation isn't just fire insurance. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive, right? He, he came to break people free. He came to take people from the kingdom of darkness and bring them to the kingdom of light. He came to put the spirit of God in people. He came to change who people were completely, right? That, that freedom is what Jesus came for. It's even in his mission statement. In Isaiah 61.1, it prophesies, and we have it up here, yeah. Uh, it, it prophesies, it says, the spirit of the so sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the, pr for the prisoners. Man, that is before Jesus came. The Bible's already talking about this guy who's gonna come and bring us freedom. But then when Jesus arrives, in Luke 4.18, he quotes the same verse verbatim. He's saying, you know, hey, they were talking about me. I'm here. I'm about to do what I said I was going to do. Yeah. Right? And then in John 8.32, we know this verse. He says, Jesus says, you shall know the truth, and it shall set you free. And then four verses later in 36, he says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus is the truth, and he's here to set you free. Yeah. And you have to accept that. You have to accept that truth if you're going to walk in freedom at all, all right? That is the first thing. That's Jesus' mission, and you have to accept Jesus' mission before you're able to walk out in freedom, all right? So that's the first thing. What's our second thing? The second is you must agree with God that you have been set free. All right, let's read it again. You must agree one moment, with God that you have been set free. It's one thing to believe that Jesus wants to set you free. It's another thing to believe that Jesus has set you free. Past tense, that it's already happened. For some of us, we can believe that God wants us to be free. We can believe that he's actually set other people free, but we struggle to receive it for ourselves. We struggle to take hold of that freedom. It's like someone locked, sitting in a jail cell, but it's unlocked. You know, someone came in overnight while you were sleeping, unlocked the jail cell, and you're just sitting there. You never go to the door to open it up, right? The door is open, but you're struggling. There's, there's something that's keeping you from getting up and getting out. You might even hear some of the other prisoners walking out, but for some reason, you can't get up and you can't get out. But Galatians 51, it says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Paul is talking in past tense here. He's saying you have been set free. Not, oh, well, you might be or you could be set free if you do. He's saying already, without you doing a single thing, you have been set free. He's saying get out of the jail cell. Stay out of the jail cell. Don't go back. You have been set free. And then he's also proclaiming that freedom is for you. 
It's not for everyone else. You, Jesus, has fought for freedom and gotten you freedom, and it is for you. And you have to accept that fact if you're going to walk in freedom. If you're going to declare independence today from the things that have you bound, that is the second thing you must do. You must believe and accept that Jesus has already set you free. All right? Now, lastly, to walk in freedom, you must agree with God about your new, true identity, your identity in Christ. After knowing who God is and after knowing who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for you, I think your identity and knowing who you are in Christ once you're saved is the most pivotal thing you can get settled in your heart, the most pivotal thing you can get settled in your mind. It'll change your life knowing who you are in Christ. Your, your identity in Christ is what will get you up and out of that jail cell. You simply, you simply cannot walk out the Christian life without having a strong grasp of who you are in Christ. In fact, you see that, th- that theme all through the Bible, and you see so many verses about it. Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament, in any of his books, the first thing he would do would be first to affirm and give the people their identities before he would ever tell them what to do. Because he knew it. He knew for a fact there's no way they can do it if I just tell them to do it. I've got to first get them anchored in who they are before they can walk out that identity, before they can walk free, before they can do what God has called them to do. You'll see examples of it uh, that, that Paul has. He says, to those loved by God in Rome. He's never met these people, some of them. Some of them he's met, some of them he's never seen. But he, he knows their identity because they're saved. He says, to those loved by God in Rome, to the saints. How do you know I'm a saint? You are. Because you're saved. Because Jesus fought and got that for you. To the sanctified in Christ. To God's holy people in Ephesus. To those that are sanctified by Jesus Christ. He would always give them an identity before he would give them any kind of instruction. And not only Paul, God did the same thing. God did the same thing for Jesus. When Jesus came to carry out his ministry, he was on earth 33 years. For, for 30 years, he's not really, you know, he's living, growing up. But right before he's about to step out and do what he came to do to set people free, right as he is bapt, as baptized, it says that God opened up the sky. The spirit of God came upon Jesus and God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Man, God affirmed Jesus right before Jesus was about to carry out his mission. The same thing Paul does for us. The same thing God does for us. And it's no coincidence that right after that, that's when Jesus goes out to the wilderness and he starts getting tempted by the devil. And the first thing the devil tries to do is he tries to question Jesus' identity. Every time he tried to tempt him, he would say, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, why don't you do blah, 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 blah. Because I think the devil himself knew that if there was any way he was going to get Jesus, if there was any way he was going to get him off his game, he needed to get to his identity. He needed to get him to not understand a full, a feel the full weight of who he was in God. The fact that he was loved by God and God was pleased with him. Right? But we all know that Jesus stood firm because he was affirmed and he kept on going. But you can imagine if God had to do that for Jesus, how much more do we need? Right? I mean, it is pivotal. It is pivotal for us to have that. There is no way we can walk out what God has called us to walk out 
without our identity, being anchored in our identity in Christ. You know, when you know who you are, when you know whose you are, you don't just let anything bother you, right? There's certain things you're like, man, look, look, I'm the child of a king. I don't have time for that. You know, I'm on mission. I've got things to do. You know, if you've got some mess you're sitting in, when you know who you are, you get up out of that mess. You ain't sitting in that mess no more. Man, look, look, I'm not finna sit here and eat out of a dumpster, and my dad is a king. No way. No way. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Man, I am, I am loved. I am a holy priest. I'm a royal priest. That's what the Bible says I am. And so how dare I sit here and be bothered by some nonsense or continue to let this thing bound me when I know who I am and I know whose I am. Man, that is a big deal. And when you grab a hold of that, you'll be able to get up out of that jail cell, walk out and never look back. Never look back. Right? And also, even not just mess, not just sin, but condemnation. Even when you mess up, you're not going to be bothered. You're not, you're not going to sit in condemnation. It says, the, the Bible says, um, damn, I'm, I'm messing up my Bible verses. I know the Bible, y'all. So, you know what I'm saying? But there, there, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the truth for us. You, can, you won't sit in condemnation because you know you're loved. You know you're forgiven. You know your identity, period, right? And then you won't, you won't sit there begging for the approval of others because you know that you're approved by God. I don't need your approval. God approves of me. So now you walk boldly. You walk freely. You walk over obstacles. You walk over challenges. You walk in freedom. That's what your identity in God does for you. So I've got a passage that I think will help us sort of apply or think about um, this, uh, this thought, the idea of your identity. So let's turn to James 1, through 25. All right, there we go. We've got it right there. So when I, first, when I first came to Christ, this verse really messed me up, like really, really messed me up, and I'm going to show you how. And, and I've got the KJV version because I need y'all to feel the full weight of it messing me up, like the original KJV. That's what it was. You know, I, I wanted to be super holy. You know, I had my Holy Bible of Southern Baptist, you know, whatever it is. They had like the longest. I'm like, man, I'm reading this Bible. And I'm doing what it says. And so I read James 1:22, and it says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And then I stopped there and I was like, oh, well, easy bet. I got it. I'm going to go do it. So I just go start doing it. I'm like, man, look, I'm not a fool. I'm not going to deceive myself. I'm not going to be a non-doer, so let's go do. So I get out there, and I'm doing, I'm going hard, and I'm zealous. I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can for, for God and, 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 and for whatever he's told me to do. And I think I'm doing a pretty good job until I'm not. And I start to struggle, and things aren't as easy, you know, and I lose motivation. At some point, I'm like, man, you know what? I think I'm just going to give up on this. And I start to think to James, I'm like, James, you ain't right. You know, you put this in the Bible, but you know, you know I can't do it. This is crazy, man. You ain't right, bro. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not playing with you no more. But, but I should have just kept reading. That's what I should have done. Because verse 23 goes on to say, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass. Verse 24. For he looks at himself... And goes away, and straight away he forgets the manner of the man he was. See, I thought the issue was, hey, he was telling me to go do, and so I just needed to go do, and then I was struggling to do. 
But if you read, if you look closely at what James is saying in verse 24, he's saying the problem here is that you forgot who you were. It was that you were a forgetful hearer, right? It wasn't in the doing. It's not that you're not trying hard enough. You've forgotten who you are. You, you hear, I would read the word of God. I would hear what the word of God would say about God, about Jesus, and about me. And usually I would not even pay attention to the stuff it said about me. I would just read what he said to go do, and then I would go do it. And while I would go, I would just forget all he said. He would tell me I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He would tell me that I'm loved. He would tell me that I'm forgiven, but I'm not walking in it. I'm just doing stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm walking in my own strength and my own burdens, and and I'm, I'm breaking down. And so what James is trying to show us here is, no, the key is, you can't forget who you are. In fact, you got you to keep that mirror on you so you never forget. This mirror is the word of God. You got to keep the word of God with you at all times, in your mind, meditating on it, so that you never forget who you are, so that you can walk out what God has called you to do. The key to doing is being. Simple as that. You, you, don't, you aren't what you do. You do what you are. All right? That, that's how it goes. And so learning that and understanding that helped me to start stepping out and walking in freedom. Things that were hard weren't as hard because I wasn't walking in my own identity that I used to have. I'm walking in the new identity that Jesus gave me, right? So I'm going to wrap this up by asking a few questions. Uh, How many of you in here believe that you are righteous? Raise your hand. Man, that's good. That's good. We got some people who know who they are. All right. Okay, well, then let me ask this. How many sins does it take to become a sinner? One? That's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing one. That's the, that's the answer I heard the most. Well, the answer is zero. It was a trick question. It takes zero sins to become a sinner. The Bible says that we are born sinners. The fact is, it's not, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. That's just who we are. When we are born, I mean, I got, I got kids, so I'm like, where did, where did my son learn that from? <laughs> Didn't nobody teach him that. I, and, and it's hard for me to agree with the fact that, man, this man just be sinning. <laughs> you know what happened? But the fact is that hey, we were, we're born sinners. That's who we are, right? But then 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Actually, let me, ask, let me ask the second question before we go there. So then we understand about being a sinner. Let me ask this. How many acts of righteousness does it take to become righteous? I'm not hearing anything. Huh? Zero. Zero. Y'all good. You look at y'all. Yeah, man, we learn quick around here, man. That's what's up. Man, it's the truth. It's the same thing. Just like we are born sinners, we are born again into righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. He who knew no sin, this is Jesus, became sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. So just like you are born a sinner, when when you are saved, you are born again. You are born righteous. You are given the DNA of God. He said that he puts his spirit within you. You are his son. You are his daughter. Jesus says that he is not ashamed to call you brother and sister. That's who you are in the family. That is your last name. You have no choice. You are what you are now. 
right? You are righteous. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, okay, so you're telling me I'm righteous, but I sin. Yeah, 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 you'll mess up. Let me ask you this. When you were a sinner, and I say were a sinner, because that's who you used to be before you came to Jesus. You got to get that in your heart. You were a sinner, all right? When Paul talks to the believers, he doesn't say to the sinners in Rome. No, no, no. He gives them their new identity, their new name. He says to the saints, right? You got to receive that in your heart. So when you were a sinner, did you ever do some good things every once in a while? You would. Did that make you righteous? No, not at all. It did not make you righteous. So in the same way, and I like to tell this one, uh, I'm going off the script, actually. Uh, But since he's here and she's smiling at me, you know, my last name is Odior, and my wife's maiden name is Harvard. And uh, let's just suppose, now this is not how it happened, because like I was really feeling my wife like for a long time. Like I'm peeping the scene, she was dating somebody else, and I'm like, man, what is going on, guys? So I moved on, and then all of a sudden, somebody, the Lord, the heavens, the skies opened for me, and she was available, and she was like, yes, yes, Bobby, you know, like she agreed. And I was just so like, I'm, you know, so that's not, but let's suppose that Corey really just wanted to be with me. Like, that was how it went. She just wanted to be with me. That might be the truth, actually. Let's think about it. Because anyway, <laughs> let's just suppose that she really, really wanted to be with me. And so she wanted to be an Odeor. She's like, I want to be an Odeor. And so all of a sudden, Corey starts coming to all my family events. She starts showing up to everything we do. Everything she sees me do, she does. You know, she shows up, I'm getting ready to go to work, and she's out there with her car. Like, I mean, it's kind of weird. But if she started to do that, but maybe after a while, I'm like, you know what, whatever, fine, you can do whatever. But at any point in that, does she become an Odeor? No. She's still a Harvard. She doesn't become an Odeor until she gets married into my family. Right? And then after we're married, she's an Odeor, and now she just, she didn't have to do anything to be an Odeor. But when she does something, oh, there go them Odeors. That's what them Odeors do. You know, man, you know, that little baby right there, they're like, man, hey, that look like an Odeor. They had no choice. You were given that. And so in the same way for us, we're given righteousness. We're born again as righteous. And so now that's who we are. And we may mess up every once in a while, you know, for some people a little more than, you know, once in a while, you know, we're all, we've all been there. But the truth is it doesn't change who you are. And as you continue to take on the identity of righteous, your actions start to align with righteousness. There's no way shame and guilt is not going to be the way in which you get out of the mud. Shame and guilt, you're not going to guilt and shame somebody to get better. No. You've got you've to put a real identity on them. And it gives them the power to walk out of that. So this does, it doesn't change the fact that you're righteous. In fact, I will say this. That when you do sin, when you do fall short, it's important for you at that moment to confess your righteousness, to speak righteousness over yourself. That is going to be what you need in that moment to get out of that situation you're in, right? If I see you stuck in sin, stuck in something you shouldn't be in, struggling with something, me talking down on you or making you feel condemned is not going to be the reason why you come out, right? I'm going to look at you and be like, hey, man, look. Did you know you were the child of a king? Do you know you're righteous? 
Do you know who you are in God? Do you know who your dad is? Right? That's what happened to the prodigal son. He's out there messing around in the pigsty with them, and it said he came to himself. He's like, man, I'm tripping. My dad is, even the servants in my dad's house, and, so, and I'm a son, but I'm over here in some dirt. That is what you need to get you out of the mud, is, your, is understanding your righteousness. Understanding you are righteous will lead to you walking in righteousness. And I will say, you know, some people say it's important to confess your sin, and it is. Talk to God, talk to, to friends, help you through it, but you've got to confess your righteousness more than anything else. When you wake up in the morning, confess it, speak it over your life so that you can walk in it. Confess the fact that you're a son, you're a daughter, you're a righteous, you're a love, you're a priest, you're a new creature. And I promise you, you'll begin to walk in freedom. You will begin to walk boldly. You will never be the same. Over time, all of a sudden, you're going to change your mind, you're going to change your paradigm, and you're going to walk in your new identity. You're going to walk in it. So if you're here today and you decide, you're like, man, I hear everything you're trying to say, but tell me, how do I receive it? How do I do it? I've already given you the answer. I think I skipped, right? The answer to how do you receive it, how do you bring it in, is you've got to confess it. You've got to make it a habit of giving yourself the identity that God gives you. You've got to get in your word. You've got to read the Bible. And when you read your Bible, you've got to first look for who God is. Look for who Jesus is. See what he did for you. And then you've got to look for who you are. And when you've, when you've got that, never forget it and confess it over yourself. And just see how you will change. And imagine if we had a church full of people with, who are anchored in their identity. People would come in here and they would notice that something was different, right? Man, these people are walking in freedom. I can sense it. I can feel it. They would look in awe, kind of like I was looking at the Sandlot movie. Like, oh, that's it? I want that. I want all of it. Whatever they got, I want all that they have. And so I encourage you, man, to confess your righteousness. Confess the fact that you're son and daughter over yourself. And if you, if, you, if you want to declare your independence today, you want to, you want to um, ask or you want to accept your freedom in Christ, you want to walk in your new identity, but you need someone to pray with. After we're done with service, the prayer team is going to come down here, and you can come down and someone will pray with you. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've been listening and you're like, man, I want to, I want to be able to say I was a sinner. I want to be able to say that I am a son, that I am a daughter. I want to be able to say that I'm free and to walk in that freedom. I want to be able to declare independence today. Here's your chance. All right, so as everyone has their heads bowed and their eyes closed, if that is what you want, if you want to move from the life you were in to a new life in Christ, I ask you just raise your hand. Raise your hand as, as a set to say that, God, I want a relationship with you. I see you. I see you. Thank you, God. I see you over there. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, I see you, brother. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. All right, well, so what I'm going to have you do is, and you can put your hand down, I'm going to have you pray. Say this prayer with me. Now, this prayer doesn't save you. Believing in Jesus does. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And so we're going to say this prayer, but you got to believe it. you got to receive Jesus into your life, okay? So pray this with me. 
Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for me. God, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my hopes. I surrender my dreams. And I receive your free gift of salvation. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus.